bum bada bum 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 Kawaii cast. Is that what we're doing now? Ah, uh, that's what we're doing this episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Candace. I'm Tyler. And yes, welcome to the podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, so first off, of course, anime news. Yeah, so obviously there was a really big one this week. Yes. Uh, the passing of Kentara or Kentaro Miura. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I blended his two names together. Uh, <laughs> creator of Berserk. Uh, passed away at the age of 54, which... Yes. Um, so it was announced that he did actually pass on the 6th, but the production, his like uh, manga studio, hasn't announced it until recently. Yeah. So. So, which I'm, I'm perfectly okay with them delaying the announcement because, obviously, family and people he was close to should know about it first before it became a public thing. So yeah, naturally. Um, and I think they wanted to make uh, all the appropriate arrangements. So yeah. So, moment of silence for all of the Berserk fans who will never get a conclusion. I would say more moment of silence just. For the man himself. That's that's true. Yeah. You're right. So. You will be missed. Uh. Yeah. So just be respectful. And yeah. Yeah. Um. In lighter side of anime news. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Life-saving technique to deliver oxygen-carrying liquid through the anus gets named after Evangelion. That's definitely a different side of the new spectrum. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so they've announced it the Ava method. Mm-hmm. So the, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oxygen through the anus. Fantastic. Now, onto our episode. Yes. Uh, so, I was debating on whether or not we should kind of make this a twofer episode, considering that in a very, 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 very busy anime season, we have been thoroughly distracted by Netflix. Uh, yeah, I am also feeling the burnout. Like, I am, yeah. I am not wanting to watch as much anime as I have in the past. Yeah, and... Actually taking the time to binge watch these Netflix anime has been a bit burdensome, to say the least. Uh, Originally, my plan was this for to be a two-in-one episode, but I think we'll we'll save the second anime for next week's episode. Because, one, we haven't finished it yet. Uh, Yeah, so I think this will probably be a short episode. Yeah, I don't even think this will be a short episode. I think we have enough to talk about. With this particular anime. Well, I mean, this anime was only had six episodes. So. Yeah, and yet I still have a lot of things to say <laughs> about it. Uh, so we're going to cover one anime this week and another one next week. For those of you who were hoping to hear about our seasonal stuff, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because Netflix has caught our attention and we're kind of just going through a binge cycle to try to stave off the burnout we're feeling from the seasonal anime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, so let's go ahead and start with the first one that we binge watched, one that we have been hyping up a lot on this podcast in particular, 
and one that I know we were both extremely excited about considering our interests in anime and genre and just cool new studio news in general, and that is Yasuke. So, (laughs) this was a very, very short anime, and already the internet community has come together to voice very loudly their opinions about this anime. Uh, I have been avoiding those sections of the internet, so I have not heard the internet's opinion on this show yet. Yeah, so let's go ahead and start with the elephant in the room here. And that is the idea that this is not an actual historical drama anime. Not even fucking close. Yes. So a lot of the hype surrounding this series was the fact that Yasuke is in fact based off of a real person the who is considered to be Japan's first black samurai and has been the inspiration for a lot of different things. Things like Afro Samurai, for example. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people were expecting... Something like a historical drama, but with a bit of flair and style and maybe just a lot of modern day culture added to it. Something like Samurai Champloo, yeah. but instead we got mechas and magic. We, yeah, uh, so I... First, first things first, laying it out there, mm-hmm. I did not particularly like this show. Yeah. There, I said it. <laughs> if, I know, and if, I'm very if, hesitant if, to say it, if, too. If you, if you enjoyed the show, hey, good for you. Definitely not for me. Now that it's out there, <laughs> to me it seemed like they... They they wanted to take two different genres and then mesh it together into a historical anime, like yeah. like they wanted to take a a fantasy like magic bullshit series and combine it with like mecha and robots and futuristic bullshit series, and then they are just like, hey, you know what would be cool? Let's add in some history. Yeah, uh, for me, the feeling that I got from it. And, of course, this is just speculation. I don't know anything about the studio or the executive decisions made by Netflix or anything of the sort. But it feels like to me that we, the studio likely had two completely different ideas of what kind of series they wanted to make. One being a like fantasy sci-fi based off of Japan's history, almost an alternate reality version of Japan's history, and another group wanted to make a drama series about Yasuke or possibly about Nobunaga or any major Japanese historical figure, and just to save time and resources, they decided to just put these two ideas together since they both involved Japanese history. And Either that, or they started with a drama history about Yasuke's life, and they realized that because the real person doesn't have a lot of recorded history about his life, they just decided to fill it with any ideas that they could just throw at the wall that would stick. See, uh, here's, here's my 
hypothesis on it is I think they started off with the historic anime about, you know, Yasuke, the first black samurai. And then, you know, they got a certain length, you know, certain distance into, like, the script and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and the executive producer read it, and he was like, no, it's not exciting enough, Mm -hmm. add in something else. And they just weren't sure, so they just kind of, you know, threw in stuff, you know. Yeah. So so it was, I I feel like it wasn't necessarily the writer's uh, will to make this so much as it was the executive producer being like, hey, make it more exciting. Yeah, and again, this and is again, like, I have all no... speculation. <laughs> Speculate, yes. Yeah. It just feels like this series was a bunch of ideas that never got fully polished. And I do think that there is a point where you can start to create things that are a bit absurd when it comes to writing stories about Japanese history. On paper, the idea of an alternate reality version of Japan where things like mecha and magic existed sounds pretty cool, actually. I know that we did get things like that with uh, the anime Bakamatsu, which, bad example since I didn't like that anime either, (laughs) but was a really cool concept on paper. For those of you who didn't watch the first three episodes of Bakamatsu like I did, the concept was that these two guys find an ancient artifact that allows them to jump to an alternate reality of their world and it just so happens that they are two people living in the Bakamatsu period and when they jump, they find a completely different reality that is more based off of technology and steampunk and the leaders of this world are completely different and thus people like Hijikata Toshizo now no longer serves the Shogun and is now more of a ronin than a samurai. And it's a really cool concept. It's this idea of like, what if something, you know, were to diverge the timeline and suddenly you would get these futuristic alternate realities and what would the actual historical figures of that time period be like in that version of reality? Would they be important? Would they be more powerful than they were in their original reality? Various things like that. And I always think that kind of concept is really cool on paper. It's very rarely ever done properly. The only example of where I could think of something like that done properly was Golden Kamui with, again, Hijikata Toshizo in an alternate reality where he was not killed in the Battle of Hakodate, but lived to old age as a prisoner of war. Yeah. And it's probably the best version of him ever written in an anime because the creator took a lot of creative liberty to take the original character or the original person and turn him into a fictional character. And I think they could have done that easily with Yasuke. And it seems like that's what they tried to do. Yeah. Uh, That being said, I didn't dislike Yasuke as a character. Yes. (laughs) I thought the character was good. Uh, I just think they were trying to mesh in too many things. Like, I feel if they were to go, you know, with the route of just the the, uh, supernatural kind of shit, you know, like magic and, you know, this kind of stuff works, I think it could have worked really well. Yeah. 
but instead they decided to not only throw in that supernatural element, but also, again, the the robots, and it just yeah they they, they didn't match up well. Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about, like, actually how they handled the story a little bit. Because I don't just want this to just be, like, bitch, bitch, bitch. shitting on it. Yeah, so so for the first few episodes, we're introduced to Yasuke, like, years after the death of Nobunaga. And when I say years, I mean he's now an old man living secluded in a village where nobody knows who he is. Which is pretty impressive, all things considered, that he is, like, literally the only black man in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And people are just like, oh, yeah, no, that's just the black man that lives here. He just, he's a boat. Oh, oh, that guy, yeah, he's just, he's just, he just pushes the boat He just pushes the the boat, yeah. Whatever, he he doesn't have a name. What what do we know? Yeah, nothing unusual about that. (laughs) Exactly. He doesn't stand out at all, but... (laughs) Uh, yeah, it seems like this village has become kind of a place where people who are trying not to stand out tend to just go to live. Because there's also a woman there who is also trying not to stand out, who is a singer. And she has a daughter who is basically be, God. Be, be, <laughs> because uh, if you want to blend into the crowd, you totally want to become... The famous singer of the town. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. As everybody knows. Yeah, so the concept is very similar to what I was mentioning with Golden Conway, where the idea is that they take a historical figure and they continue their life past what history is recorded of them. And I think that works really well for Yasuke because I couldn't really find any record of how exactly he died. I think it was just assumed that he passed away, you know, following the battles that his Nobunaga's son carried out after Nobunaga died. It, well, it's it's really weird because there there's some records of him, like I said in, I think, a previous episode where he had, after all of that, he had become, like, the bodyguard of the Pope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously leave Japan because, you know, the Pope isn't, japan exclusive you know but there's not much history of him beyond that yeah see and i had read somewhere that he was a bodyguard prior to going to japan like this anime really plays off the idea that he was a slave or a servant and that he was dragged to japan against his will where some records actually show that he came to japan willingly because he was protecting somebody from the church and he just happened to come across Nobunaga, who took an interest in him and recruited him and was willing to give him a better life than the one he had. The anime plays a lot with this idea that he was saved by Nobunaga. He was nothing more than a like servant or a slave, but history is a little bit contradictory on that. It's <laughs> Yes. Um, he, he was a that, free man. <laughs> that being said, the anime does have a few ties to act- some of the actual recorded historical events. You know, like Yasuke was there at uh, Nobunaga's uh, Honoji. I believe that's what his pre- the, yeah. the ritual, se- you know, seppuku. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also recorded to having, when he first met Nobunaga, Nobunaga did think... He was his, just covered his in dirt. His skin was covered, like, colored by ink. Yeah, so, so the first thing he did was try to wash him, 
and when he was confused why his skin wasn't getting quote-unquote clean, he assumed that he had inked his skin like a tattoo. Yeah, so so there are some of those parallels to it, yeah, which, which, which I, I definitely appreciated. Yeah, I do think, like, it's those little things in the anime that make me think that the original concept was to create a historical drama based off of the real person and not this fantasy <laughs> version that we got. Yes. So they obviously did their research. They obviously did have a lot of respect for the actual person. And I think they wanted to show off just how amazing he really was. Not just because he was different from other people of that time, but because he genuinely worked hard and he was kind of awesome before he became a samurai. Yeah. So it's not one of those those like, oh, he was cool because he was black. No, he was cool because he was cool. He served under one of the most famous men in Japanese history mm-hmm. who had a lot of respect for him. Yeah. So it wasn't just a, he was breaking boundaries before people even knew those boundaries exist. It was just, no, he was just a badass. Like, yeah, he, people didn't question him because he was a badass. And that was another major problem we had with the series was the <laughs> obvious, like crazy racist old man who's, Serves in the same court as him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that that one's weird. Um, I mean, I can't say much for Japanese culture on like the racism thing. Oh no, there! I guarantee you, there were definitely people in Yasuke's life that were very, very much discriminating I'm, I'm, against him. I'm sure there were, but like as a whole, I don't know if like the culture itself leaned more towards like racist tendencies you know I, I wouldn't necessarily say racist because I think at the time it wasn't really quite clear exactly how many races there were in the world or what necessarily race was but more it was just there was a lot of people in Japan that were xenophobic which is the fear of outsiders or strangers yeah and and that being mentioned of course at this time is when japan had basically closed off its borders yes. like there was one town or something that would allow people in yeah so it wasn't quite the same like realism that we see as racism in modern day they weren't saying oh i hate him because he's black it's i'm afraid of this person because he's an outsider we don't know his intentions we don't know anything about where he came from, and we are a country that has remained closed. And foreigners in general were a terrifying thing to a lot of people back then, which is why Nobunaga having such respect for Yasuke was a big deal. And yeah, Nobunaga was definitely somebody who wanted to change all of Japan, and I've seen a lot of people also complain about the hinted notion that he was gay and that he was trying to change Japan so he could have his gay lover. <laughs> and I would like to point out something that a lot of people don't understand about. I mean, I mean you got you to gotta go after that black chick. <laughs> no, he, it wasn't Yasuke that was his gay lover. It, oh, was, it was. There was another character that was obviously supposed to be oh, okay. a man who he was obviously <laughs> sleeping with. I... Yeah, it, it was not subtle, but there... So there was kind of this concept going on in, like, feudal Japan that a lot of people don't know about. 
And I recently learned about it myself. It's kind of just one of those fun things you learn about Japanese history, but there was a form of male prostitute that was considered like the third gender, I guess, is the best way to describe it. These were young men, and when I say young men, I mean like boys. And they were considered the most beautiful of prostitutes, and sleeping with them did not make you gay. So, so kind of uh, the Japanese version of uh, the European eunuch. They weren't eunuchs, though, was the thing. Like, they didn't deform themselves or change who they were. They were just, because of their youth, they were considered just as beautiful as women. And because of that, they often took on that role as women. And they were very proud of it, to the point where they were almost ashamed to age out of it. All right, well, that's disturbing thought of the day. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> so to me, I'm like... It wouldn't surprise me if somebody like Nobunaga had somebody like that as a companion because these boys were treated extremely well by the men that hired them. Prostitution wasn't considered a shameful thing at the time. Yeah. Uh, eh. Shaming prostitution is really a generally more modern thing. It's more of a Western thing, actually. I wouldn't say modern, because I guarantee you, around that time in Europe, prostitution was definitely a shameful thing. Yeah. Yeah, feudal Japan's not as old as we want to think it is. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not like the Wild Wild West and feudal Japan happened at the same time. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> It, not like the Shinsengumi and the Civil War were literally happening at the same <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pretty much. <laughs> History's wild, guys. Yeah. So, I, I know a lot of people were just like, oh, I can't stand that Netflix threw in the token gay character into this show. And I'm like, but that's the thing is like, men sleeping with men in Japan really was not that unusual. It's just that they often didn't consider them men. They considered them something above that or something that was gender neutral. And in, in modern day anime terms, we'd call that a shota. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, like, there's records about all of these, like, uh, prostitutes. The oldest, like, version of these male prostitutes lived to be, like, 80 years old. And he worked that career his entire life. So while they usually started as young men, they weren't always young men. It was just, how long can you stay pretty? <laughs> I mean, I imagine an 80-year-old prostitute doesn't get much business. <laughs> but hey, what do I know? Yeah, it, it was a promising business back then. Like I said, they got a lot of respect. And it was the, like, way to go no homo if you just really wanted to sleep with a guy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. Fun little historical thing that I learned pretty recently. But, yeah, I'm sure you guys can find more information on that on your own. But that would be my guess as to what that character was implied to be. Not necessarily like, oh, Nobunaga was secretly homosexual. No, just different time. Different yeah. culture. Different view of people. So, yeah. I, I do wish that this series would have 
kind of not just skimmed over that a little bit, though. <laughs> like, because it did kind of feel like they were just trying to throw in a token gay character. Yeah. So, which does bother me, because especially since this is a series that was very, very much being promoted to Western audiences, obviously Western audiences aren't going to understand that part of Japanese history. Nope. So... <laughs> I mean, like I said, I just barely learned about it, so I don't have a great understanding of it. But it is what it is. There you so, go. Uh, getting back into what the main story was about, though. So we enter this village with the town singer who has adopted this girl who just seems like an extremely ill child, but turns out she's actually the most powerful psychic to ever live, ever. Hooray! What also, a coincidence. Yeah. Also, Nobunaga apparently fell to another crazy psychic who's like a spider person. Yeah. He didn't fail because of like his overambitious conquest of the entire fucking country. No, he lost to a supernatural spider bitch. Yes, who uh and and this doesn't doesn't really clarify in the anime because it's like kind of shows past and present. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously Yasuke is still alive when uh, Nobunaga is defeated. Mm -hmm. But like in the in the present tense, you know, the the new the spider bitch is made out. You know, she, like she's the daimyo now. Yeah. And she's kind of made out to be like, oh, I've ruled over this land for hundreds of years or something. Like it's obviously not that long. Well, she's only been the daimyo for like a couple decades at but, that point. But like they don't exactly clarify. You yeah, know? and and they do mention you know she's she's like oh I've been alive for fucking I don't know five hundred years or she was living in the astral remember. plane for a long <laughs> portion of that time apparently yeah and they they even ripped off uh, the Dark Knight Rises where she's like you just learned about the astral plane I was, I was molded by <laughs> it I was molded by it <laughs> yeah my first thought of like my God I can't believe they ripped off the Dark Knight Rises. How do you rip off Batman, man? Right. So yeah, this... The whole spider thing was just a lot. <laughs> the whole concept of the astral plane was a lot. Uh, so yeah, apparently the singer wants to take the child to a doctor, quote-unquote doctor, who is also just a really powerful psychic who you see in the first episode who lost to the spider woman. Yep. And he's going to train her how to use her powers. So they can because, defeat the spider bitch. Yeah, so that way she won't be sick anymore. Yeah. We also don't really get to learn, like, what that woman's connection was to Yasuke's past, but we know, like, she has the same clan symbol as a woman who also served under Nobunaga. Yeah. We don't really understand anything about that clan or learn why they were connected. Were they sisters? Were they important to that clan? What was was that clan a real clan? Was that a real like group that tried to infiltrate Nobunaga's army? Were they not happy about the unification of Japan? Were were they trying to encourage Nobunaga to unite Japan? It's never explained. Nope. None of it is explained. And I don't even know if it's based off of a real clan or not. It's just... We get that, like, the girl from his past was supposed to be a love interest and that she's also supposed to be a representation of just how open-minded Nobunaga was because she was a female samurai. But 
that's we just don't know anything about her. We don't know anything about her connection to the singer. We don't know any of this stuff. Uh, clearly, what she was was the token female representation. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, it's freaking annoying. So anyway, so now Yasuke has to take the girl to the other psychic, the doctor. The, yeah. So now they could fight a war against the spider woman. And mechas exist. Uh, and That's apparently not... the reason mechas exist is because the uh, Mongols brought them over to Japan during the Battle of Tsushima. And then when they lost, the people of Tsushima were like, well, now we can learn how to make mechas. Well, look what we have here. Yeah. And that was another thing. Like, that was another thing. I'm like, you expect me to believe that people are just, everybody in Japan was just like, oh, shit. Well, we got really lucky and defeated these people that had, like, technology from the fucking future. <laughs> now yeah. now we have technology from the future, which I guess has a grain of truth to it, because following the actual Battle of Tsushima, the people there did learn how to make Mongolian technology. But the difference back then was just their arrows are slightly sturdier than our arrows, not we have stones and swords and they have fucking robots. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, excuse you. Stones and swords and telepaths. And telepaths. Come on. <laughs> Our people can think well. There we go. But, yeah. And the whole reason why, like, the Mongols actually lost in the Battle of Tsushima was because the people of Tsushima had the home field advantage that they knew how, like, weather patterns and storms affected the land there and could properly find shelter from storms and the Mongols couldn't. And that's literally the reason why the people of Tsushima won that war. Yeah, yeah. it happens <laughs> fairly often throughout history where ships and invading armies are defeated by storms. Yeah, they literally <laughs> got defeated by storms twice on that island, and eventually we're just like, this island's fucking cursed. We're not coming back. <laughs> Screw you guys in particular. <laughs> Screw this island. <laughs> so yeah, like, there, there is, like I said, there is truth to the idea that the people of Japan did learn a lot from the Mongol invasions because of the weapons and armor and stuff left behind, but... That is a very, very big scope to say that they learned how to build robots because of that. And the robots don't really feel like they belong to any culture in this series. Like, there's a robot that's supposed to be one of, like, the like he's comic merc- relief he's a, he's characters. He's a mercenary. Yeah, we're not really sure which country he came from. Because he doesn't really just seem to have any kind of cultural relevance. Like, a lot of the other assassins all come from specific other countries. And it's hinted that this mecha's not from Japan. But, but he... it doesn't say where he's from. Yeah. His... He's, he's also got, like, crazy advanced technology and super intelligence. Yeah, and his personality is extremely American. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe he's an American robot? I guess? I, I don't mean, know. in in his defense, only... I guess I shouldn't say only, but, mm-hmm. like, an American is probably the most likely to build 
a gaudy robot out of gold. That's true. That's true. America wasn't really a thing yet. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not even relevant. <laughs> He's from the future. Al That's the only answer. <laughs> alternate history, America existed. Okay. Oh, yeah. America was already, like, in, like, the... the uh, 21st century at that uh, point. Uh, yeah. America clearly came in from the year 2077. Yeah. <laughs> America's just like, wow, everybody's still fighting with swords over there? Whatever. We have the internet over here. <laughs> oh, basically. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Like, we, they have mechas and, like, this advanced technology. They don't have telephones. <laughs> Right? Like, they don't even have, like... Quick, send the homing pigeon. Yeah, like... They, they can't even do, like, Morse code yet, like... Uh, yeah, technology has advanced in a weird way in this universe. They don't even have cars yet, or, like, they never even thought, like, maybe we should build structures so it's easier for Mecca to move around our country... None of that shit. They're just like, we're just gonna put these giant, massive robots on, like, old wooden, like, carriers and wagons and stuff. Like... Yeah. And old boats. The old Mongol boats carrying the futuristic mechas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Those, those mechas wouldn't sink that, those boats. <laughs> it's extremely inconsistent in whether or not it wants to be Feudal Japan or if it wants to be a futuristic version of Feudal Japan. And that's my problem, because at least Bakamatsu thought about that stuff when it made its alternate reality. They're like, this is an industrial version of Japan that never closed its country and has a lot of steampunk elements to it, so thus everything in this town is built like a clock. Instead of having the more feudal Japan-looking Kyoto, it looks more like a cross between Japan and Europe. And, again, steampunk fantasy. It's It actually makes sense. And they kind of did that with Gintama as well, where Gintama was supposed to be, like, this series about, like, what if aliens invaded Earth and advanced technology really, really fast, so then by the Bakamatsu period, everybody already had all this advanced technology. And it still holds on to, like, a lot of that Japanese culture, but with just more modern things. And it actually genuinely works. It doesn't suspend your disbelief, because it's just silly, and it's fun, and they did a lot to blend those elements with the original environment. And Yasuke just didn't do that. It's so damn inconsistent about it that the world building is just non-existent. Which sucks because they didn't even need to do world building because this could have just been a historical drama. Yes. So. So yeah, I, if you can't tell, I'm a bit frustrated by it. <laughs> uh, really? You frustrated? I mostly... I couldn't tell. I'm mostly frustrated because like... The biggest argument I've seen from people online for why they made these decisions is like, oh, well, the real Yasuke was mostly a footnote in history. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. He was, yes. We, we're not arguing that. We're arguing 
the logistics of these robots in goddamn feudal Japan. Yeah, but, like, there's so many other anime that have taken small historical things and have expanded on them using creativity. In fact, I think the less you know about the real person, it almost makes it a bit better because then you just take inspirations and moments from their real life and you can create whatever you want from it. See, and, and like, you can also do that, like you said, like, it has been done before. Look at Inuyasha, you know, it's it's based on, like, a feudal Japan, and they added some, you know, supernatural bullshit in there, you know, and, and it works really well. Yeah. You know, you can look at, like, Fushigi Yugi, same thing, like, it's based on, like, a past feudal japan era Mm -hmm. and they added in supernatural bullshit in there i guess what i'm saying is here is like robots don't belong in feudal japan (laughs) and you they could have they could have made this work if they had just taken the time to think about it a little bit more just instead of just being like well we're just gonna write this historical drama and throw robots in it just think like why are the robots here? And don't give me the shit that somebody else brought them. Just shut up and get in the robot, robot Yasuke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but... Yeah. And if you want to, like, even, we don't even need, like, a fantasy setting. We don't even need a supernatural setting. Because it's been done before, and it's been done well. I think a lot of people have this impression, especially here in the West, that... Western audiences will not take interest in something that is based off of historical, like, other countries' history. And I don't know why that's a common belief. Like, that's the reason why it took six years for Token Rambu to get an English version, because they were just so convinced that Westerners would not be interested in a game about Japanese history. I will tell you why. It's because History Channel made the West believe in aliens. (laughs) But I will give you the best example that proves that Americans can have the attention span to focus on something that is about Japanese history, and that is Ghost of Tsushima. It didn't have to go into every single little event that happened, because the fact is there's not a lot of recorded history about what happened in Tsushima. We kind of get the basic idea of what happened. The Mongols showed up, they got killed by a storm, they showed up again, they got killed by a storm again. That's basically all that happened. That's that's <laughs> pretty much like our known no- knowledge of what happened we, in Tsushima. Yeah, we do know a bit more than that because it's not like the people of Tsushima were just sitting around making clay pots. They actually had a written history and they did train soldiers there and... They were part of the mainland at that point, and they were serving the shogun. So we do know about the people living there and all of that. And they did record what happened on that island during that battle. But for the most part, it was just the Mongols showed up and we fought. (laughs) And so through that, they created the fictional character of Jin Sakai, who in a weird way is also or kind of a supernatural element himself, as it's implied that he is the storm that defeated the Mongols. And it's implied that the uh, Daisho of that area had to hide what actually happened on Tsushima because of his betrayal to his people. And that the Shogun basically rewrote Tsushima's history to just be like, nothing important happened there. 
because he didn't want Jin Sakai to be a hero of Japan. Yeah. And none of that actually happened, but the game sells us on this idea because it's just fun to learn about and it's this fun fantasy that we could get very very invested in and is now being made into a freaking movie yeah and it doesn't have it doesn't add in any of those you know like futuristic you know things or you know yeah like there's a little bit of fantasy it is it is it is fairly historical yeah, the fantasy elements are also extremely Japanese. Things like the foxes being the guardian of the island, or the spirits that inhabit the shrines, or the fact that the weather is on the side of Jin Sakai because he's the hero of that island. These are kind of supernatural elements, but they are more based off of faith than they are of actual magic powers. Yeah. And it worked so well, and honestly, to me, it was still video game of the year last year. And Western audiences attached to this game like crazy, to the point where they were super upset over the fact that it did not win game of the year. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it is a fantastic game, I understand. <laughs> so, you're, you're right, that, that is a very good example of the West being able to handle something that's not over the top you know fantasy stuff yeah we we don't need everything to be catered to western tastes in order to have western interest and i think the idea that people believe like if something is too out there in a different culture that americans are just going to shrug it off and not care about it and I think that goes for more than just Japan. That I believe that's the reason why people are scared to bring over like shows like Mao Zushi legally. Because they're just like, well, Westerners aren't going to understand Chinese culture. Because Chinese culture and Chinese history are really, really intricate and confusing. But the thing <laughs> is, we can embrace it. We can, you know, enjoy it. We don't need to... You know, the only knowledge we have of Chinese culture being Kung Fu Panda, you know? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, it just, it's little things like that that bother me. It's things like that that make the rest of the world think Americans are stupid. It's things like that that make me think Americans are stupid. <laughs> and I'm one of us. Yeah. And there are cases where America has proven to be a bit ignorant of other cultures. Things like the fact that they're now talking about remaking the movie Parasite with basically a Western cast. And it's like, or you can just let a Korean film be a Korean film. Yeah. And acknowledge it for its own value and worth instead of trying to make it a Hollywood film. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. So I... I get where these executive producers get this idea that Americans they, just they, don't care about They porn. want things more exciting, something that'll capture the American fool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, capture their audience. Or when you look at some of the most popular anime that are out there, things like Full Metal Alchemist, My Hero Academia, both of which have very, very heavy Western influences in them. Like, obviously, Full Metal Alchemist is more based around like European culture it's supposed to be a parallel universe to Germany 
And then you have My Hero Academia, which took a very, very Japanese approach to the American superhero tropes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I get it. I get why people think that Americans think this way. But we've been appreciating, like, historical dramas since long before anime became popular here. Well, well, not just that, but I, th- I think... They, they need to know their audience. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the average American is... They do, like, their over-the-top action movie star kind of, you know, fast and furious kind of shit. Yeah. But, like, the the person who, you know, like us, were watching anime, we... I would like to think we understand the Japanese culture a little bit more. We can appreciate it a little more. Mm-hmm. So it... Not everything needs to be over the top and flashy and, you know? Yeah. And you can mix in some Western stuff into it. I think that's fine. That's what Samurai Champloo did. Yeah. Samurai Champloo is like, what if we made a samurai anime, but with hip hop? Yeah. And, and it was fantastic. And Samurai Champloo now has like a cult following. It yeah. is known as a good classic. Yeah, and if I believe the Samurai Champloo had been marketed to the audience that Yasuke was being marketed to, it would have been more than a cult classic. I think it would have been considered one of the best anime of all time. Yeah. Because it was genuinely incredible. I think... Like, I, I even feel that way like, with Megalobox. I feel like if Megalobox had Yasuke's like, promotions behind it, we could have seen something that would have been like, wow, this is going to reach out to a large amount of people. So I'm a little bummed that we got this level of Netflix hype for a series that just didn't have any faith in itself. <sighs> There's the problem. Netflix is hyping all of the wrong shows. They're hyping, <laughs> like, uh, Yasuke, but they're leaving alone... Fucking Shaman King, you assholes, <laughs> release my Shaman King. I'm never going to let this go, you know this. Okay, but be honest, Tyler. But would you have time to watch Shaman King right now? I would make time for Shaman King, okay? This was my childhood. <laughs> and then you wouldn't have time for the other things that we're watching right now. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> We wouldn't have had time to go on this rant about this anime. Ah! <laughs> Tyler mad. But yeah, I absolutely agree. Like this level of hype that went into Yasuke absolutely should have gone into things like Carol and Tuesday. I cannot tell you how many people have told me personally that they did not know about Carol and Tuesday until I told them about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that series is incredible. And there's a reason why there was people genuinely upset it didn't win anime of the year that year. I didn't think it was anime of the year, but... It was was fantastic. I I will say that. But again, I don't necessarily think it was anime of the year. Yeah. I would say if you're looking at anime on Netflix and you're like, huh, should I watch Yasuke or should I watch Carol and Tuesday? The answer is Carol Carol and and Tuesday. Tuesday. (laughs) Absolutely. Moral of the story, watch Carol and Tuesday. Watch Carol and Tuesday, <laughs> yes. So, And that's one that I think you could even genuinely enjoy in English, to be honest. Yeah. They Netflix also should have put this hype into The Great Pretender. 
Yeah. Oh my god, it, if we're talking exactly, about... Exactly, that's what I'm saying. They're hyping all of the wrong shows. If we're talking about anime that appeals to a Western culture, The Great Pretender is like one of the most American anime I've it, ever seen it, ever. It literally spans the globe. They yeah. go from India to the Middle East to America. Yeah. Like... It is all over the map. The whole first arc takes place in LA and it's incredible. And it was nominated for multiple things during the Crunchyroll Awards last year and it didn't win any of them and it deserved a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, I I think Netflix is just, they really, really wanted to appeal to the show because it was new and it was creative and it was a black samurai. I hate to say that part of it was a little bit of a let's get on the popularity crowd of black support, but yeah, yeah, I I do feel like this was almost a bait and switch. Yeah, a little bit. So I want to support the studio. I really I, do. I do because uh... this. Just looking at the team that was behind this, this was an important staff and an important studio. It. There was a lot of care and attention put into making sure that the people who were behind it not only were treated well, but that they felt like they were being properly represented and that they could create a passion project. But I, again, I can't help but feel like a lot of these poor decisions were made by executives that made just by so, don't, someone higher up that don't understand, understand the, audience. the audience. Exactly. So. There is rumors that they might do a second season at some point. I don't know where they would go with it. Now that the little girl is God. Um, <laughs> uh, clearly, what they would do is uh, she is somehow losing her powers. And now there's a new uh, spider bitch coming into play. Yeah, Obviously na- not, now... not spider bitch specifically, but the equivalent of. and And so they have to find a way for the little girl to regain her powers and fight off the the new threat. Yasuke has to go to the astral plane. (laughs) Yasuke, but psychic. Oh my god. (laughs) I think you're onto something. (laughs) Also, I just want to point out they have all this technology and they don't know what vodka is. Uh, yeah. Make up your is this is this a closed off Japan or not? Make up your damn mind. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I, there you go. Yeah. There's, that's that's Yasuke in a nutshell. Yep. I. I hate saying that I disliked this anime, but I disliked this anime. Yeah. No. I. I hear you. I. I didn't want to dislike it, but I do. It's it's not good let's, for me. Let's both <laughs> say one good thing that this show did. I liked almost all of the scenes that took place in the past. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did say that I liked all of the, the parallels with the, like, the actual history. Even the things that were obviously made up from the past. Yeah. I liked all of the things that took place in the past. Yes. Um, I liked the characters. Like, obviously not all of them, because, you know, but but I did like the characters. I, I liked Yasuke. Uh, the little girl was a brat, but she's a little girl. You yeah. know. 
I hated her. She, I, <laughs> I didn't care for her, but like in general, as a character, she wasn't. I didn't like her as a character either. I'm gonna disagree with you. All but... right, that's that's fair. <laughs> I, I liked the robot a mercenary. I don't know why he's stupid, <laughs> but I did. I I liked some of the characters. He had Baymax vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to like him, but he felt like he was in he felt like he was in the wrong show. Yeah, he like, did. I I felt like if they had made a completely different show about all these psychic characters and they had included him, I felt like he would have been a really com- good comic relief. He did not belong in this show. Uh, one more thing that I really did like, because I do want to give this uh, credit, I really liked how they handled the opening. Like, the just the OP. It was one of those OPs I didn't want to skip, honestly, because to me it was the highlight of every episode, which is sad. Uh, <laughs> I liked the style of it. I mean, I mean, that's happened before. What was that one anime that came out last year where the the OP was Amazeballs? Oh, that was a few years ago. Uh... I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> the anime was just shit. Yeah, though it does happen from time to time. But this one in particular, like, this is the vibe that I wanted the anime to have. This idea where you can see a lot of the influence that the writers and the people behind this as a passion project had for it. Because that's what the OP felt like. It felt like that was the soul of the creators. like, And then all of this crazy shit just got mixed into it. Because you could see so much personality of, like, each of the individual characters. Like, even, like, some, like, just the way that they walk by each other, the facial expressions they have. Uh, the one character even just, like, lying down, like, almost like he lost control of his legs. But they do it in such a stylistic way. It looks like a music video. Everything about this was great. This looked like something that came from America with Japanese influence. And if the whole show had kept up that vibe, I would have really loved it. So yeah, I, I just, I like, I do want to give the OP credit and I actually do low key kind of hope that the OP gets nominated for best OP. All right. And that's saying something we already have like kind of half the anime out already at this point, And this is one of my favorite OPs of the year. Okay. Probably not my most favorite, but one of my favorites. Good OP. Good OP. Yeah. So Crunchyroll, if you are listening, cause apparently you have a fucking mole uh, listening to we us. will find we you. We will find you. Uh, <laughs> nominate that one for best OP for me. So, I don't know who's gonna how they're gonna handle the Crunchyroll Awards this year. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Whatever. Yeah. Or if they have more of an audience opinion, any of our listeners, if you could just throw that out there. Yeah. So, so there you go. Yasuke. There you go, Yasuke. <laughs> <laughs> We want to thank you guys for listening. Absolutely. And uh, nothing for our end segment. I don't no, have anything. I don't have anything for the end segment. I might come up with a new game for the end segment because I've been kind of bouncing around ideas. Okay. Uh, so that might be something we do in a future episode. But we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Stay safe. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.